on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by trichologist Claire Fulham, chatting all things hair loss. I remember then going, I'm losing a bit more hair. Like, I could see hair everywhere. It was all okay. over my desk oh, wow. and work, okay. everywhere. And so I went to my GP. She found five big patches on my scalp, one the size of my fist. So I was like, right, what am I going to do about this? Give me a plan. She just looked me dead in the eye and said, there's nothing you can do. I went on list for dermatologists. She had a cancellation and she very quickly said, yes, you have alopecia areata. As ever available on all podcast platforms. An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. This is an Irish Independent podcast. The aggressors within the whole situation were lads with bibs and subs and stuff like that and, and, and backroom team. And they're people involved that see it as a free shot. They're not vulnerable to a certain degree. And um, players, I think, like we have cleaned up the game a lot and players know that they will be exposed and they will be suspended if they, if they step out of line. But listen, you can't uh, condemn enough to the gouge because that just crosses the line and it was a horrific act. So watch out for these guys. Like they've got a few serious operators in Shane McGuigan, Connor Glass, uh, Brendan Rogers, like as good as anything that's out there. And around them, they've got guys that are just at their utmost peak in terms of fitness and hunger. Very, very, very dangerous proposition at the minute. There you go. Hello and welcome to this week's throw-in with me, Sinead Kassan and Michael Verney. And so we're down to the final four. The All-Ireland Football semi-final lineup is complete. It will be Galway against Derry on Saturday the 9th of July and then Dublin against Kerry on Sunday the 10th of July at Crow Park. Now, coming up on today's show, Michael and myself will be joined by Kieran Whelan and Dick Clerken to look back over the weekend's quarterfinals and especially the epic between Galway against Armagh and the fallout from that game. Now, we'll also be joined by Wexford hurling manager, Dara Egan to preview the All-Ireland Hurling semi-finals this weekend. Now, only one game to start with, obviously, Galway, Armagh, a first ever All-Ireland series game to be decided by a penalty shootout at Croker. Huge talking points. But first, the game itself, what an absolute epic here on. Overall, were Galway the deserving winners here? Yeah, I think so, Sinead. On the balance of play, you, you probably think they, they deserved it. Um, you know, they certainly, they, they maybe struggled in the first 10, 15 minutes to settle our maggot off, uh, off, off to a quicker start. Maybe that was the four-week break. But I really thought... Think watching the game yesterday, you were thinking this Galway team are coming of age because you would have had kind of question marks still hanging over them, and it wasn't it wasn't that they were relying on the Shane Walters, the Damien Comers, the Paul Conroys. It was the Killian McDades, the Rob Finnerties, the Tierneys. These guys, Dylan McHughes, these were the ones that were stepping up, and they put themselves in a in a position to win the game. It was a real. It was a real old kind of fashion game. It was a lot, majority of plays were long kickouts. It was real win your own ball. Um, you know, it was end to end stuff. Both teams were mixing their game up, trying to kick it into the forward line. You had very little time on the ball. Some great tackling, great intensity, and it was just probably the best game of football we've seen in two three years. Um, but they just Armagh going into injury time, six points down, and just. Went route one, route one. They just stuck it in on the edge of the square and hoped that they get something from it. And uh, they got two two goals, uh, and and it just turned. Then then we know what happened after that. But it kicked on then an extra time. But yeah, balance of play for me, Galway definitely were probably the better side. Yeah, Dick. Ah, yeah. Well, if you look at it, a very simple. Armagh's three goals, nine points. Like there was just luck. Where had played a massive part. You know, it was just aimless balls in and and. The keeper, the Galway keeper, you know, he'll not he'll not have a comfortable week looking back on those. So, you know, you have to take that, that, that the game was over. There was people heading for the for the exit exit case and um obviously then it just went a wee bit uh do lally and you know that kept them in the game. No, they could have won it. Like it took it took Killian McTade to to pull it out of the fire for um for, for Galway at the end and and you thought it was Armas Game to win after 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 they went ahead in extra time, but yes, definitely after. Well, after the first quarter, like definitely Armagh started better. Galway definitely looked very laboured at the start, um, and you know it's only when they sort of got on top of it defensively and, and started turning over Armagh ball that they they definitely grew into the game. And as Kieran said, it was it wasn't just the the Shane Walshers or the Combers, you know, and and I suppose for Galway moving on, even though they're going to have an uncomfortable week 
we'll get to the 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 fight issue and any sanctions the the strengthening of his of, of Porrick Joyce's team in terms of the performances from from other players you know he's 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 going into an all Ireland semi final saying oh well, I'm not just dependent on a Shane Walsh or Comer but all these other guys that can step up and deliver on the big day so so absolutely Galway deserve one uh, Michael, obviously the GACCC are going to are expected to look at the brawl, obviously, um, after the end of normal time. I mean, just an absolutely disgraceful incident with that eye gouge and Damien Comer. I mean, this just cannot be condemned strongly enough. Yeah, there's a lot of elements to it. Um, uh, as everyone would know, the curtain raiser in Crow Park on a double header, the two teams would always be uh, talking out in the Cusickstan side. So unfortunately, when the game went to went to extra time then, Everybody wheeled across the field, absolutely everybody, everyone in the back room, all extended panel members. And what started was like, it's kind of a natural kind of a flare up because uh, Armar after Robin Galway somewhat and a few lads running into each other and you have that kind of thing. And in fairness, uh, Kieran Donaghy and a few others were in there just totally trying to defuse the situation. And then it just boiled over and there were so many more people involved. And then you see a hand in around Comer's eyes and... I tell you something, Sean Kelly is has a fair degree of patience and he's uh, he sets a fair example as captain because he went after the perpetrator and he was pushed three times and he just kept pointing at and making his point. How he ended up sent off, I am not 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 fully sure. It seems like they've made a decision, made a decision to send off the two captains because basically they didn't know what else to do. But the CCC are gonna have to come down really, really hard on this. As regards anything else within the melee did they see anything else that was you know too out of order not not really it's the type of thing you see quite a bit in the ga and kieran and dick can tell you a lot of lads squaring up to each other like happens in a, in a lot of games but that's you know the gouge has gone totally over uh, a line so far across the line it's not even funny and they're just going to have to come down really hard on it because it's not something that they can take in any way lightly come down really hard on it and just do their best to stamp it out there and then. They've no, they've no other choice. And with the public outcry and the amount of pictures that have been shared and videos that have been shared, they've been left with absolutely no choice but to rule on this with a very, very firm hand. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. And like I said, Sinead, and, and, and I think, you know, there was a lot of tension, obviously, particularly, and, and it was kind of building probably towards the end of the game. And I'm, I'm in some ways when they went six, seven points had maybe lost their discipline a bit because it looked like they were, you know, they were tired and that sort of stuff. And you're going to get, you know, tension between players. And I, I definitely think if it was just the players that were involved, that would have defused very quickly. But I think looking at it last night and looking at it closely, the, the, the more the aggressors within the whole situation were lads with bibs and subs and stuff like that and, and, and backroom team. And they're, they're probably players or, or, or people involved that see it as a free shot. They're not vulnerable to a certain degree. And um, players, I think, like we have cleaned up the game a lot and players know that they will be exposed and they will be suspended if, if they step out of line. Uh, so like certainly looking at it, as I said, the aggressors were more people with bibs on it and obviously more harder for the GA to identify, I would have thought. But listen, you can't uh, condemn enough to the gouge because that just crosses the line and it, it was a horrific act. So, um, you know, there's definitely going to be sanctions there, no doubt about it. But it was dis- disappointing to see you know, it it, it it tarnished what was a brilliant spe- spectacle, really, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, Dick, is there any merit in, like, there's been suggestions going around that one of the teams should have been in the Hogan stand dressing room and the other in the Cusack? I, I, listen, have, games happen in Croke Park, grounds, county grounds, all over the country every weekend, and players mentors, backroom teams, share exits, share dressing rooms. We, we can't be letting the, the players off the hook just because of that. Yes, possibly, in hindsight, you would. But there's, there's good reasons for that. There's, there's practical reasons that you'd probably find managers giving out about if they were starting to do that. So, so you know, I think at the end of the day, you have to be responsible for your own behaviour and actions, irrespective of, of, the, of the layout. Now, there did seem to be, for some reason, an awful lot of... Um, either backroom or, or non-panel-involved players. Now, 
there'll be serious questions asked about how they get onto the pitch, how they get up into the dressing rooms, because as far as I know, that's not supposed to happen. There's not, you know, you have your match day panel and that's it. So there'll be questions asked there, but we all know here and like, you know, there's, there's, there's various ways to work around that when you want to try and get as many bodies in on the pitch as possible. So you'd imagine this will kick, you know, the GA to to try and look at that and tighten it again. I was talking to Liam O'Neill on, on the radio this morning. He was saying, I think it was 2012 Hurling game um, down in Munster, that that sparked a reaction to tighten up the the, the pitch side protocol. So, but but he reckons that that's, that is all slackened again because of managers trying to trying to you know get players back in and get more 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 people in. It. So you, you imagine there's going to be you'll find that there'll be a serious restrictions now on, on people who's allowed in. So listen, I, I think the players just have to respond. I, I would agree with I would agree with with. We've all been involved in these things, and players generally know where the line is. And they, you know, it's a bit of argy bars, you a bit of pushing the shove, and nobody has really too much issue with that. And especially the way the game had gone, there was Kieran's right. There was a few incidents that had, had stoked tension, so everyone's very heightened coming off the pitch. Um, but it was the subs, absolutely. It was the subs on both sides seemed to be the players because, as, as, as we all right, they, they've sort of got a free pass here. You know, I'm not going to be playing. I'm not going to get suspended. It doesn't matter. Whereas players know I have to mind myself here because I don't want to miss a, a potentially a semi final. And um, so, be very interesting to see um, how they hand things down because you're right, Mike. It was hard to see any real foul strokes from players. You know, when I was looking at it, you know, there was a an odd headlock here and hold me back, hold me back type scenario. But in terms of a a strike or or anything from a player, I, I didn't see much to be honest with you. You know. But anyway, let 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 the the CCC or whatever they're called do their job and see what comes out of it. Yeah. Well, that's just so much happened in this game. Uh, let's start at the end, maybe, and go uh, go back. I mean, the penalties, Kieran. I mean, Port Joy said afterwards that they were practicing penalties and it really showed, didn't it? I mean, Shane Walsh, Damien Comer, uh, Rob Finnerty, and of course, Matthew Tierney all scoring uh, those penalties. What a dramatic finish. Yeah, and like I, I think we knew at the start of the championship it was going to happen. Like you know what the law of averages of a, of a quarterfinal going to a draw or replay it happens every year as we get one game, so it was going to happen. Uh, and teams are right to obviously practice them. Uh, I thought what what was interesting about the penalties was they all went to the side of the striking foot, um, and and maybe that's something within the GA GA players not used to maybe taking penalties and they can't pull it across so there might be something in that for keepers if it happens uh, you know if it happens again in the semi-finals I know it won't happen in the final but uh, yeah listen it was it was something very very different whether you agree or disagree with it it's 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 in the rules would what would have been the preference yeah a replay I think I don't think anybody would have denied the opportunity of watching these two go at it again next week but you know we knew this was going to happen and you know it, it, you know Galway were just that little bit more clinical on front of goal and and, and their penalties they struck were, were, were top drawer yeah I mean poor Joyce likes it afterwards we're not soccer we're the GA like I was sitting in the Davin end yesterday so I got a had a great view of the penalties and it was so exciting uh, Michael but you know is it clear and obvious now that this might be done away with after this after this championship Oh, no, I wouldn't say it's cut and dry, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I thought Kieran McGinney was fairly philosophical about it after when he talked about, you know, having the, maybe fans coming up again the week after and all the monstrous costs involved there, which is fairly a magnanimous kind of thing to say when you're after being, you're the vanquished. And it was funny if if Galway had been beaten, I can't imagine what Parik Joyce would have said if he's that against them in, in victory. Uh, listen, it's 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 not ideal, um, and at least it's not the case for an All Ireland final. Like this happened with Clare and Limerick earlier on the year, but nobody was knocked out. There was a back door, um, but I I don't know. I kind of agree with you, Sinead, in the sense of for people that were there and people that were watching, nobody will ever forget this game uh, for some right reasons uh, and for some wrong. But if this had gone to extra time. Uh, and just blowing up at, at the end of extra time and it goes to a replay. Maybe we have a fairly, uh, not a very memorable replay and somebody books a, an All-Ireland semi-final place. But this game won't be forgotten. Like, this is the best game, I would have said, in the football championship probably since the 2019 All-Ireland drawn game, I'd say, probably. Yeah. Um, that's that's be my opinion on it. And penalties added to that. And the only thing, one saving grace, I would say, if it had, if it had, uh, if it had been blown up at extra time and it was a draw, 
like we are, it's not the only thing we're talking about, but the melee is a big part of the conversation. At least the penalties and the drama and everything and Reno O'Neill's free and everything is giving given maybe a bit more airtime as a result of the fact that it went to penalties. Uh, there, there was a wildness to be sure. It actually, outside of an All-Ireland final, it reminded me of Kerry against uh, Mayo down in Limerick in the 2014 semi-final. There was just a wildness in the air. Even going to Crow Park, the support that was there, where I was sitting, was absolutely surrounded by Armagh fans and the colour and excitement they brought was just um, incredible. But Dick, really, I mean, this probably shouldn't even have gone to extra time. Galway looked to have this game wrapped up. They had a six-point lead. Then, of course, Armagh got their two their two late goals and that super equalising free kick by Reen O'Neill. An absolutely chaotic ending. Uh, they did. And, I, you know, unfortunately, the game itself and, and the quality and the quality of the scores and the individual performances isn't getting enough of, 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 of a highlight. And, and really, when you look back, and I say, you know, yes, Kieran McGee would be disappointed, but he'd probably look back and sort of say, look at his team at a really analytical point of view. He didn't get enough big performances, you know, from his big players, you know, compared to what he had got in, in previous round. Glimpses here and there, whereas I feel Galway definitely seemed to have a much more balanced um, performance and the likes of, you know, even, even the likes of Paul Conroy, who, who you know, was, was lighting games up with his with his point kick. And, you know, that was obviously targeted from an Armagh point of view. He wasn't getting that freedom. But then he started contributing to the game much better as a traditional midfielder. And I thought that was very intriguing. And even over the weekend, that how the midfield battle is starting to move back to what, what me and Kieran would have been used to because teams now are pushing up a lot more and it's forcing long kickouts. So it's 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 demanding the likes of Conroy and McDade and these boys to win their own battle. And that's what we love. That, that's why these games are so good now because there's that sort of contest in the middle and... I think it actually suited Galway. It actually suited Galway on those of themselves that, you know, when Armagh pushed, because Conor Gleeson, he, he would give you uh, panic attacks with the short kickouts. I just I just cannot have this thing of dribbling kickouts out to gaze and have to bend over and there's two or three men breathing down their neck. You know, when he had to actually hit it out long and when Galway were winning those kickouts, next thing they were looking forward and all the space that Arm had left, they were able to attack. So I think actually Galway, you know, have learned an awful lot of it themselves in what makes them good going into the semi-final, that, you know, trust their, their big midfielders. They've got plenty of ball winners and and it allows Walsh and these guys to, to really exploit the space because that the way they started, very slow and laboured, they're, they're not good like that. That's not that's not Galway football. Um, so I think like from... from, from and, and, and going back to the penalties, you know, Paul, Porrick Joyce was giving it. Well, I asked Porrick Joyce, would he, would he take what he has now in terms of winning on penalties or have to go and play again a week before an All-Ireland semi-final, a slugfest, and have a team knackered going to play a Derry team, I can tell you what, Boy Joyce is glad to be coming out of Croke Park penalties or not with that win. Absolutely. Well, they're into their first All-Ireland semi-finals since 2018. They've played Derry. What a novel pairing that's going to be. And we'll get into that just a little later. But let's move on to the other quarterfinal at Croke Park yesterday. Now, it really felt like the air had just been sucked out of Croke Park when we got into that uh, second uh, quarter final. Uh, Kieran, how do you rate Kerry's uh, performance yesterday in their win over Mayo? Uh I'd say workmanlike, you know, said last night they got a bit of dirty petrol out of the system. Um, it certainly wasn't, you know, like, like yeah, you have to look at it, I suppose, in two ways. They, they're up against a Mayo team that are still very strong defensively and they probably matched up very, very well. Um, and, and, you know, Ushin Mullen, you know, David Clifford obviously wasn't fully fit, but I thought the likes of Ushin Mullen and Hessian, uh, Lee Keegan, you know, their Mayo are, have still got positives, and you know, in terms of their their one to nine, uh, they struggled from ten to fifteen. You know, they did as much possession, they did much shots on goals, they did they created you know more, I think more opportunities than Kerry, but just didn't have it in the final third. But Kerry, I think you know, you could see maybe that um, lack of intensity that they're maybe not road tested. You know, and particularly in the first half, they were they were sloppy at times and turned over ball cheaply more so in the final third than you would expect. But they still had that touch of class up front in terms of their forwards. And uh, you know, they, I think they got seven points from their defenders and the midfielders yesterday. Um, but the likes of Shawnee O'Shea had glimpses of 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 class, as did Ganey, Clifford even. You know, playing half fit, if you want to call it that, still was able to open up and burn Paddy Durkin for pace and 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 rattle with a, 
absolutely top class finish. So there was they showed flashes of what they're capable of uh, and they will be probably in a happy enough place that they've they've got a decent test uh, physically um, in terms of the intensity that Mayo bring. Um, but they were possibly there for the taking yesterday and a better a better team, better team that could execute better could have really had them in trouble. And I think Jack O'Connor knows that and he'd be happy just to get back down the road last night and, and, and regroup. And it's probably a good place to be coming into the Dublin game because they'll, they'll, they'll definitely raise it for Dublin and they'll, they'll benefit from yesterday. They were there for the taking in the first half, Michael, weren't they? I mean, it really did come down to just Kerry taking their chances and Mayo didn't. Yeah, just a lack of uh, lack of shooting efficiency for Mayo. Probably, listen, we've probably seen it in the last couple of games, even against Kildare, they were very poor up front. It was, you know, the vast majority of their tally came from defence. A lot of well, Should we have sold. seen this coming, Michael? Should we have seen this Mayo performance coming? Uh, well, I, I think we kind of did, but you can't, you can't really write them off either because it's almost like when you write them off, they kind of, you know, they pull the wool over your eyes and produce this big performance. But just really, really, um, you know, an inept attack, you'd have to say, throughout most of the summer. And listen, there are ob- obvious reasons Tommy Conroy is out. Ryan O'Donoghue's injury has just carried on a lot longer than they seem to think it would. Uh, you know, and it just that took away that took away any kind of attack and impetus that they had. Killian O'Connor just has probably struggled back from that that Achilles injury. That's probably like that's a, that can be a career ender and it'll probably take him a while to get back into the swing of things. And he's probably a bit older as well. Um, I'd agree with Kieran. though. It was, it was just workmanlike from Kerry. They did kind of what they had to do, but you did get a sense early on that, you know, you know, if Mayo had that like killer kind of killing, killer kind of a threat up front that it was there for them, but they just, you know, just spurned way too many chances. You'd have to say, and at least from a Kerry point of view, they're somewhat road tested going into a semi-final now. The David Clifford one is interesting. He obviously played on, looked like he rolled his ankle at one stage as well. You wouldn't know that could be up like a balloon this morning. Uh, so they could have a they could have a doubt over him. He was obviously a doubt coming into the coming into the game with a different with a different injury. And then on the Dublin side of things, they obviously have two big doubts in Conor Callaghan and James McCarthy. So the next two weeks are huge. Uh, and the next two weeks, fitness-wise, for a couple of the marquee men on both sides will probably go a long way to deciding that semi-final. Uh, Dick, uh, just James Horn's future, um, does he have something to think about there or is he still the man to, to lead uh, Mayo, do you think? Uh, from what I'm hearing, I'll be all accounts. I, I think he'll be moving on. Um, there's been a lot of talk in Mayo. Work with a few ones from Mayo and... They carried over from the disappointment from last year's All Ireland final and the injuries. It's been a, it's been a challenging year, and you could almost hear it in in in, in Horan's voice as a sense of, of sort of resignation about it. Like he just knew he was sort of fighting against the tide because at the end of the day, all that matters for for him and that group of players winning All Ireland. And he, he probably just knew in his heart and hearts that without O'Donoghue and um, Tommy Conroy, like they, that would they just didn't have that cut up front that you need and and that's ultimately how it how it played out. Like in fairness, you look at their back six, you know, as good as there is. And again, that sort of played out in Croke Park yesterday and how manfully they, they played and, and everything good from from Mayo came from the back and then coming out of pace. But it sort of went went wrong up front because you've just a lot of guys there just aren't sort of natural free scoring forwards, you know, and, you know, the likes of Kenny O'Connor, just not not at, at his best and, and missing the two guys. He just probably felt that, you know, that that performance, that result was was coming and it could have came a game sooner against Kildare or even before that against Monaghan, but it was coming. So I'd be, I'd be surprised now, Sinead, if we see James Horn going again. That's my own thoughts on it. Okay, well, we wait to, to hear more on that. So, obviously, it's going to be Kerry against Dublin in two weeks' time. Uh, Kieran, if we're, if we're going to describe Kerry's performance as kind of functional yesterday, could we say the same about Dublin's win over Cork on Saturday? Yeah, you could, Sinead. I think that, that would sum it up fairly, fairly well. Um, listen, they got the job done. Um, the game was never under threat. Um, again, in that first half, they probably had a few sloppy turnovers and a few mistakes that Desi Farrell will be looking to eliminate. Um, didn't create a goal chance, whether they'd be too yeah. uh, whether they'd be too concerned about that, I'm not so sure. You know, the way Cork set up, I think Dublin can, you know, they can play that kicking game or they can play that possession game and work it to the D. I think they played that possession game, they worked to the D and they did, did what they had to do. Uh, but the 
absence of Conor Callaghan is 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 massive in terms of what he brings to the forward line and his creativity because he can win any type of ball that goes into him. He generally is involved in most setting up most goal chances and stuff like that. So himself and James McCarthy on that fitness trail now is a big, big concern from a Dublin perspective. Um, and, and Desi Farrell, you know, he touched in the interview, he said it's going to be tight. Uh, so they obviously have have uh, muscle injuries that they're trying to get right. So, yeah, listen, Dublin were never never under threat, uh, very, very comfortable. Um, and, and and you felt there was another, another gear in them if needed. And like, I think we've got to be honest, I grew up against the Cork, Cork team, you know, a Cork team that have been unlucky to have have to have had play Kerry in Dublin and then struggled against some of the weaker sides. But you know, they will still take something out from the out, out of the year. Um, you know, there is something maybe to build on there for John Cleary, but you know, Cork are just not at the level of the top teams, let's be honest about it. They've they've a long way to go. So again, Dublin will be happy, but not they've they've a bit of improvement to make, and it's it's gonna be an intriguing build up to the semi-final uh, there'll be probably more talk about injuries and guys going to be playing or not playing um, uh, in the next couple of weeks but it's certainly set up for a spicy one all right yeah I mean it would be an awful travesty I mean Michael you mentioned there David Clifford we'll have to wait to see you know on his on his uh, ankle and you know and if Khan if they don't make the semi-final I mean what a loss to the game you know if there's there's injury doubts over them Ah, yeah, it just takes that bit of star power away. Um, not being smart, if Kerry beat Dublin, they don't want any excuses. Mm. They want to beat the best that that Dublin have available to them and vice versa. And I just thought it was interesting. I've heard a couple of things this year. One from Brian Fenton, who said after the Wexford game that Dublin have a chip on their shoulder, which you'd never hear. And then Jack O'Connor said yesterday that the Kerry players are yearning to play Dublin. I was surprised I, to hear yeah. that yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, it's I'm glad he came on yeah. and said it. It's a conversation he'd have privately and they'd be chatting with <laughs> <laughs> but it's spilled over into the into his media duties as well, which is listen, it's great to hear because it's a bit of honesty. They are yearning exactly. for him. They felt like they left the, the twenty nineteen drawn game behind them with fifteen on fourteen. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be it's just a huge game. And even like two All Ireland semi finals we have. I tell you something, you do well to confidently nail your colours to the mass in either of the two semi finals. Oh, yeah. That's that's yeah. all we want. Like before yesterday's quarter final. It was Kerry and Dublin was going to save the, the football championship, and now we had, like, they were on the pitch from one forty-five to four forty-five yesterday for that Derry for that uh, Armagh Galway game. Uh, three hours they were on the pitch all told, and you know lit up the whole season. And now we now have two semi-finals, and we you couldn't confidently call the All Ireland pairing. And as well as that, from uh, and we'll probably chat briefly about Derry. From a Derry or Galway point of view, we'd been talking about how this is a great chance to get to an All Ireland final. But Kerry and Dublin didn't exactly pull up any trees at the weekend. It's no longer an opportunity to get to an All Ireland final. It's a golden opportunity to potentially win an All Ireland. So it's 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 play. It's going to play out. It's going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks. Dick, how serious are Derry as All Ireland contenders? I have to say, you know, and it and it is bizarre, really, when you when you plot their path and serious. It has to be serious. Like you you, you couldn't not. You'd be completely, you know, ignorant of the game if you didn't look at how they played. And 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 it's very okay. It's easy. I was clear, clear, clear. We were all blood and clear last week because how they how they performed and beat a very decent Roscommon team. So so clear is no bad outfit. Let's not let's not be unfair to Clare. But there you were absolutely fantastic. You know the way they played and 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 what what I really like about them and and difficult at all that it is to say because as a Monaghan man thinking back to that day in Armagh and we should have beat them bad and all that we were and now we're looking at them going into and t- literally genuinely talking about in all Ireland's. But you have to sort of say why, right? So Rory Gallagher, he's he's a smart fella. He 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 he's plotted a, a fairly um, contentious path over the last twenty years, but a, a very smart and shrewd operator, right? Um, and and if you actually look at how they're playing, it, it, there's a huge amount of similarities to to Donegal two thousand and twelve, which by all accounts he was one of the sort of the key men in in Jimmy Jimmy McGuinness's backroom team, and and he's he's, he's developed this Derry team. In that shape, and and it's this focus on massive amounts of fitness and pace and direct running, coupled with high intensity defending. You know, it's very easy. Here, a lot of people say lazily, oh, they're defensive and all the rest. 
Look at the goals. Look at the way oh, that they unbelievable. And and that's that's a tactic. That's that's Rory Gallagher telling the guys is right. We're going to push up. We're going to look look at how they swarm the break. That's that's tactics. That's worked on over the last two years in own bag. These guys know exactly what they're doing, and that's exactly how Donegal played. That they just came with a plan and a way of playing that before teams knew how to play against it, they did an all Ireland one. And do not rule out him doing the same trick again with Derry because they've beaten Monaghan, they've beaten Throne, they've beaten Donegal, they've beaten a decent and you're a good man to bet on Galway against Derry because if Derry can bring that same level of performance and they've shown no reason to think that they can't, they've gone to Croke Park, those boys, that was their first run out of the championship in Croke Park, it's like they were playing there for the last 10 years. And that's confidence. That's Rory Gallagher drilling it into these guys is are good enough. And listen, Derry as a county, the guy do a bit of work up in Derry, you know, they don't lack confidence when they get a team to back. You know, there's minors, they're, they're constantly like, you know, there's, there's a serious tradition. So, so watch out for these guys. Like, they've got a few serious operators in Shane McGuigan, Connor Glass, uh, Brendan Rogers, like as good as anything that's out there. And, um, and, and around them, they've got guys that are just at their utmost peak in terms of fitness and hunger. Very, very, very dangerous proposition at the minute. There you go. You won't see Dick Clerken for the rest of 2022. No, I'm gone. Oh, I'm certainly <laughs> not working in Derry. <laughs> but listen, it's, I tell you, it's, 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 it's a lesson for all these managers and counties that have been sort of moaning in the middle ground over the last 10 years about oh, Dublin this and all this resources. You know, get your act together. Get your panel of 20, 30 guys and get, and get a bit of buy-in and look what you can get. Because that's what Derry have basically done. And, and full credit to them. Yeah, it is going to be some All-Ireland semi-final weekend in two weeks' time. Uh, Kieran and Dick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, folks. No problem. Thanks, guys. Well, there's just no let-up in this championship because we've got the All-Ireland hurling semi-finals to look forward to this weekend. It's Kilkenny against Clare on Saturday and Limerick against Galway on Sunday. Now, we're joined by the Wexford manager, Dara Egan, to look ahead to these. Uh, Dara, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, first of all, has it been hard at all to shake off the what-ifs from your All-Ireland quarter-final um, against Clare? Yeah, most definitely has now. Uh, usually, I'd... I'd review the game pretty quickly, but it took me four or five days to to switch it on and look back at it. Um, yeah, look, ultimately very disappointing. Uh, we didn't close the game out. Uh, it was a monumental effort for a good part of 65, 60 minutes, you know, but um, ultimately we didn't get over the line and I suppose Claire deserve a lot of credit for the way they came back at us. Uh, as I mentioned in the post-match interviews and so on, it was we we did run out of bodies. We, you know, a lot of our main main defenders went off injured, and I suppose Dio Keefe and Liam Oak McGovern going off was obviously a big blow to us as well. But uh, yeah, look, we 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 won the game for long periods, and unfortunately we couldn't get over the line. But as I said, Claire deserve a lot of credit for the way they came back to us in the last uh, fifteen minutes or so. You must have been delighted, Dara, with how you turned around your season uh, at different stages, losing to Dublin, the draw at Westmead. Like it was all on the line that day against Kilkenny and you produced the goods and then you were, you know, within five or six minutes of getting into an All-Ireland semi-final. Like there was an awful lot of character shown throughout the season. Yeah, definitely. Look, we have unbelievable characters in our dressing room and we're, we're building a nice squad. You know, there's a, there's a good bit of project work going on down in Wexford and ultimately at the start of the year we identified that we needed to integrate newer players, integrate young lads into our panel and we carried a lot of our under twenties all throughout the year. And um but but we yeah, we had a successful enough season when you go through it. We'd no silver at the end of it to show from it. But in six, sixteen games we played between Welsh Cup League and Championship, we lost three, we drew a few others and we won the rest. So um yeah, there was lots of ups and downs, but uh going to Nolan Park was obviously a highlight and uh and winning down there, and and I suppose it did show the character of the group. And look for long periods in the All Ireland Court Final against Clare, you could see lots of character and lots of lots of good hurling nose and good uh, good good hurling intelligence from our lads. But unfortunately, we couldn't get there in the end. Can I just ask you, Dara? Um, it's obviously your first year as an inter county manager with the best will in the world, and what you expected was ahead of you. Was it even more than what you expected? The volume of what you have to do. Uh, obviously, I presume you're on the phone most of the way from from Puck on to to Wexford Park or or Ferns yeah. or wherever you're going. Ferns, yeah. What like what yeah. was the volume of work like? Did it blow your mind a small bit, even in comparison to what you expected? It did. 
being honest, it did, yeah. And again, I really had a front seat with Liam Sheedy in the last three years, and 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 he's he's an incredible mentor to me, I suppose. But I would have, you know, I would have helped him out with a lot of the managerial work in Tipperary over the last three years. And I felt right. I'm ready for this now, John. I know I know the way it's going to run, um, but what was coming at me was like nearly three times what I expected, to be honest. Uh, just as you said, it's the volume of calls. It's the, it's the amount of balls you have to juggle between your, your player, your players, your backroom staff, you know, dealing, dealing with the County board. Um, there's just, there's, there's a huge volume in it. Now, look, I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I work 15 yards from my front door as a primary school principal. I finish at two forty. That allows me to get in the car at three o'clock I land in Ferns at five o'clock. So there's a kind of a two hour block where I got a lot of my calls done and um, and obviously the two hours coming home. But there's there's an insane amount of work in it. But the one thing I will say is it's extremely structured. And we were we were allowed to go back training in the middle of December this year. And genuinely over that six month block, we knew where we were going to be week on week. We knew exactly how the league fixtures were falling. We knew how the Walsh Cup fixtures were falling and we knew that we needed to be ready for the 16th of April for our first round of the championship against Galway. So it is extremely structured and I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant the way it is structured. Players know exactly what they have to do. Um, again, what, what the split season is taking uh, away is that large volume of pre-season training, which is not needed anymore. Players are coming back in unbelievable shape. You see, you know, we had club matches and tip here over the weekend. Lads that even at, at senior club level are in are in are in great nick at the moment. So um it does take away all that pre-season stuff. Ultimately November, December, January are your hardest months for driving and for training and so on. And thankfully that's now shortened and it's hugely beneficial to both the players and I think the, the, the management staff. We have we had 13 or 14 of our lads living in Dublin. So they have an hour and 20 minutes in the car. So you're trying to take away, it's great now that some of the months of those hard drives are taken away by, by the way the season is falling at present. You mentioned your the amount of time on the phone there. If uh, Brian Cody decided to give you a call there now, and what would be the key pieces of advice you'd give him in how to get at Clare this weekend? <laughs> That's an interesting way of asking his opinion on the match. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'd say I'd say Brian isn't gonna is not going to be ringing a rookie manager how to deal with an All Ireland semi final. He's probably been in about in about twenty five of them over the last three decades. So, but no. Um, Look, it's the, 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 this weekend's matches are going to be really, really um, exciting, and I think there's going to be lots of lots of cat and mouse going on. I think Kilkenny and Clare, particularly, it's going to be so so interesting to see how Kilkenny deal with that that fluent running game that Clare are now bringing to the table. Uh, you see what really you know what really brought Clare back into the game in the last fifteen minutes against Wexford was how far back their wing forwards dropped to pick up all their half forward line and they were really they were playing a counter attacking game and it'll be interesting to see how Kilkenny deal with that movement are they going to be dragged around the field um, I would envisage as well I'd say the second half of the Clare Wexford game probably gave Kilkenny a little angle into how to attack that uh, you know the Clare back line. There was a lot of we we had Lee Chin and Connor McDonald inside two very effective forwards. Lee Chin was carrying a bit of hamstring injury, so we we basically said lump that ball into the edge of the square, and we got a lot of change off it. So don't be surprised if you see TJ, Owen Cody, even Walter inside in that full forward line on Saturday evening because they're three incredible ball winners and uh, and Kilkenny like that long ball game. So I think it's an angle they could go after Clare with. Now again, the flip side of that is. If Clare managed to defend that well, they're unbelievably dangerous coming back at you when, when they turn over ball. Look at Shane O'Donnell, look at Ryan Taylor, look at look at Dave Fitzgerald, these lads dropping back to collect that ball, travel through the lines, and then obviously they have a fairly good forward in Tony Kelly to uh, to do a bit of damage going going back the other way. But no, it's going to be really, really interesting. What I'm really looking forward to though is is the puck out battle as well. Um you know, Clare's long puck outs were probably they were under a bit of pressure with them against us against Wexford and uh, Kilkenny. Kilkenny are the best team in the country in defending long puck outs. And if uh, if Clare if Clare go with that long puck out game, I think they're going to be in trouble against Kilkenny. So it's going to be real, real uh, interesting tactical battle, and I'm looking forward to it. You think Kilkenny learned a lot, Dara, um, particularly from even the second half against G, just their use of the ball. 
was a bit old school, shall we say. Like they were driving an awful lot of long ball. Didn't look like they were able to, able to deal with the sweeper. Leinster final, listen, it's not perfect, but it was tidied up an awful lot. They weren't hitting aimless ball. It was a lot more structured, a lot more measured. I'd say probably maybe a lot more modern as well. It was, and I, I actually I was right behind the goals in the Canal M for the Leinster final. I had a brilliant view of the game. Kilkenny definitely learned a lot from our Nolan Park game um, with Kilkenny and Wexford. Their use of the ball, they got their ball strikers on the ball more often than not. Like Paddy Deegan, you can just you can even visualize him, you know, on that left wing forward position. He struck an awful lot of ball, and Kilkenny got him into position on the ball against Galway. So they did tidy it up again. A lot of it is marshaled from Owen Murphy in the goals. You could see him out around the 14, 21 barking orders, making sure the right people were getting on the ball, making sure the right men were delivering the ball. So uh, I think Kilkenny are after having three weeks there now where they, they can you know, get their house in order. They know exactly what they have to do. They have watched Clare up close between the Munster final and the All-Ireland quarter with Wexford. So they'll have their homework done. And as I said, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they, you know, how they attack this Clare um, fluid game plan that, that Clare have going at the moment. How do they contain Tony Kelly? Actually, James O'Connor had a good stand the Sunday Independent yesterday. Uh, he said... Didn't realise this. So, you know, next Saturday's game will be just Tony Kelly's fourth senior championship appearance in Crow Park. Like it's just mad to think he's been there so rarely. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I remember watching him as a minor though, and Clare within a minor All Ireland uh, in the early 2010s. He was he he's made for that place. You know what I mean? He's absolutely made for. It. Uh, look. I suppose the way we went at it was Shane Reck was man-made from we probably it took Shane Reck four months to recover from a hamstring injury but we were eyeing we were eyeing up that quarterfinal and he did an absolutely unbelievable job on Tony Kelly uh, Kenny just they have to go man to man they just have to because otherwise he is so so intelligent particularly as I spoke about the puck outs earlier he's so so intelligent of his timing on the puck outs he stays out of the drop zone he stays out of contact but his his angles are running, and he's obviously his speed of running off the shoulder is unbelievable. So Kilkenny will go will go man to man. Who it'll be, well, I'm not sure yet. You need you need somebody who just literally sacrifices your game. I suppose some of the clips I was watching from the Clare and Wexford game, you see Shane Rick. There was you know there was Clare lads passing Shane Rick with the ball, and you'd be saying why don't you go to him? But you can't. You actually cannot. Shane Rick was just looking at Tony Kelly. Uh, similar to a, a football cornerback marks and that's exactly what you have to do with, with Tony Kelly but um, again I would say Kilkenny holding their, their, holding their structure is one thing but being able to go man on man is going to be important against Clare so as I said I, and I'm sure Brian Lohan knows exactly what's coming for Tony Kelly um, so they'll have a plan for that too Doesn't uh, play a man marker doesn't jump off the page Dara does it? Like Mikey Carey is uh, more of an attacking type of a wing back. Uh, Hugh Lawler, if he was inside, maybe could pick him up and would be mobile to pick him up. But they don't, maybe the man marker for him maybe doesn't exactly jump off the page. I suppose Mikey Butler like did a savage job on on Cahill Mannion in, in the in the Leinster final, and Mikey Butler's a great player. So, and and uh, the one thing I will say about Mikey Butler, he absolutely sacrifices himself for the team. Like you need one, you know, Mikey, Mikey and Shane Rick would be a similar type stature and similar type, you know, similar type players. So um I could see him out on him for a while. Again, if you look at the Claire Wexford game, we you know, we always knew that Shane Rick was probably gonna last 60 minutes. And our plan was to get Damien Rick straight over on, on Tony Kelly. But unfortunately, Damien and Shane were being brothers, I think they 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 um they dropped together and they both had to come off within thirty seconds of each other. So that kind of scuppered our plans. But uh, I'd say yeah, Mikey Butler could be the go-to man just to sacrifice himself. But um, can he need to have backup because it's an unbelievably hard job to keep contain him for seventy-eight minutes. Uh, unfortunately, like we've seen in the in the in the quarterfinals. So. Um, yeah, I'd say that's that's the way Kilkenny will go. Limerick then and Galway on the Sunday, Dara. I mean, Galway have been unconvincing. I mean, what do they have to do first and foremost to stay alive against the calibre of this Limerick team? Um, they need to score goals anyway. I suppose Galway's, Galway's issue at present has been they haven't been absolutely lighting up the scoreboard. They scored 219 against Cork. Um, Patrick Collins was unfortunate for an early goal so ultimately that's 119 they scored 17 points in the Leinster final scored 119 against Wexford in the first round so you're going to have to score 25 plus points to beat this Limerick team so they have to uh, they have to unlock that, that scoring machine again 
the likes of Brian Kilcannon. Some of these else have yet to fire, but this could be the day. You know what I mean? No bigger challenge than the All Ireland champions. And I think, I think if if Kilcannon can get going, obviously Conor Whelan has been exceptional and always is exceptional. So if they can unlock some of that, um, they're going to be they will be dangerous. And and again. Limerick are the most overanalyzed team in the country. Galway will be will will be eyeing this up. They'll have all the data they need to go after Limerick. Whether they're able to, you know, stick with them and whether they're able to get over the line is another thing. But they will have every bit of data. And, and I know they have a good team and Dave Morris and these lads um, trying to pick Limerick apart. So uh, again, another very interesting battle. But unless Galway can get a few early goals, uh, I think they'll they'll be under pressure against Limerick because they need to score that twenty five plus points. Can I just ask you, Dara, as a a manager uh, in a different province, are you taking much notice of what's going on with Limerick? Like I know you're saying they're the most overanalyzed team. Are you keeping one eye on them and a couple others for potential meetings during the year, or what way are you looking at them? Are you looking at them from a point of view of learning for yourself and even things that you can potentially implement? Yeah, well, look, again, I suppose we were we were really lucky in the sense of our league group. We had five top class league games. So we, you know, we got we got a clipping off Dublin in the Walsh Cup final. And then we had to turn around a week later and play Limerick in the league. So we had to learn pretty quick and how to attack them. But um, you would be keeping an eye on the patterns of play, to be honest. Now, every game in Leinster, you just cannot take your eye off the ball. You know, you really, really need to analyse every team. Same when we went down to Kerry for that preliminary quarterfinal. You had to have your homework done because teams now, they really are developing their own style of play. And unless you're ready for that, um, you're going to be caught. People say we got caught up in Westmead and so on. We, we didn't. We had enough homework done in Westmead. We ultimately, we just did put them away on the scoreboard. We knew exactly what Westmead were going to bring as they showed throughout the championship. So while you would be keeping an eye on the other provinces and be looking at the patterns of play and so on, it is every match by match, you know. And I think the beauty maybe that Kilkenny have now is they had that three weeks to analyze. They they probably got away for a two day, two or three day camp somewhere where they could do a lot of homework on 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 uh, what was coming towards them. And and uh, yeah, I think it's it's just going to be two really really tactical battles. And I think um, I think it's it's going to be a good feast to hurling now this weekend. Just on that as well, there on Limerick, have you noticed? I know they are over analyzed, shall we say, or not over analyzed, but there's lots of data and footage out there on them but have you noticed them changing their style of play a bit they seem to be going a bit longer and even a bit more direct now I think even in 2019 when Kilkenny caught them they were uh, not predictable but maybe teams knew more what they were going to do does it look like there's like winners changing the script as they move along makes it very hard for them to be beaten if you know what I mean does it are you seeing an obvious shift in how they're playing there is no, most definitely there is, and to be honest, it's yes they are they are going long and they're going direct, but it's when teams are stepping off them, like we did in Wexford Park, we absolutely stood on the forty five, we let them have the short puck out, and we tried to make the middle a real battle zone. They're learning every day though. They are so so effective on their escape routes from their short puck outs. Sometimes they get four into the full back line. They get their ball striker on 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 the ball. You see Declan Hannon. If the, if 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 a team concedes say, to the Limerick cornerback, say Sean Finn gets the ball, Declan Hannon's movement in the next phase of play is unbelievable to get on. You know to be the second ball, to be the second option. So. They're they're so good, you know. They're they're obviously very very tactically good, but they're so fluid. They're able to shift uh, in game as well. Like you see, you know, Claire gave them absolutely lots of it in the Munster final in, and in the in the fourth round of the Munster campaign. But Limerick were able to, you know, change the script mid midstream. They were able to get them in at half time, change the way they're attacking the play. And again, now this is a Limerick team we're we're analysing so far this year without Keane Lynch. You know, if he's going to be, if he's at eleven this weekend, um, you'd be hoping, you know, for for everyone's sake, for for just keeping, just to see him in action. I'd love to see him playing at eleven, and when he is there, it's there, just a different animal altogether. It's it's yes, he's unbelievable on the ball, like he's he's just incredible, an incredible player. But it's the pockets of space that he is leaving open for the likes of Fannigan to come into the likes of the thirty-yard box in front of Galan, where Limerick can play the ball. It's they're you know they're just they're really really good to shift in game and I think that's what's setting them apart at the moment. Teams are are catching up on them and they're they're getting to grips with their game plan. But Limerick's ability to 
to psychologically and tactically shift within games is what's setting them apart at present. Now, I do think Galway will challenge them. It's going to be interesting to see can the likes of, you know, Finton Burke, Joe Cooney, um, some, you know, Garod uh, um, McInerney, are they going to follow that Limerick half forward line? Are they going to second press? Are they going to push up the field and leave gaping holes behind them? How are they going to how are they going to attack that game? I think a really, really important player in this game with Galway and Limerick is is going to be um is going to be David Burke, Thomas's man. How intelligent he is, what pockets of space is he going to find? Because he he's a real man who pulls the strings for Galway. And if they can get him on the ball as much as possible, they could hurt Limerick. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think the, the half-back line, half-forward line battle is going to be where that game is won and lost. But to be fair to Limerick, as I said, it's that ability to shift in-game is what's setting them apart at present. It doesn't feel like they're going to be caught the way Kilkenny caught them in the semi-finals there a few years ago. Um, no, potentially not. Uh, but again, as I said, teams are teams are getting to them. Teams are teams are catching up on them. But um, yeah, I... I think it's they're just going to be two tight battles, and um, and it's 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 going to be hard to see if Galway can score that twenty five plus points. But to be fair to Limerick, they're um, they usually tighten up once they get to Crow Park and get taller in the semi final stage. So uh, yeah, it's 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 just going to be interesting. We'll have to get you to nail your colours to the mask. Yes, <laughs> I'll nail oh, my colours to the mask first. Is that, was that, I, that I, question? I, I, I think it'll be I think it'll be a Limerick Kilkenny final, and I think. Uh, Limerick will get their chance to avenge that 2019 defeat, which they will never say outwardly or publicly that they are very, very keen to do. But yeah. I think I think that's the way it'll wind up. I think that, as Dara said, I think it'll be a ferocious battle with Claire and Kilkenny, but I think Kilkenny might just squeak it. Uh, over to you, Dara. Uh, I am going to go for a draw in the match on Saturday. Oh. With, yeah, Kilkenny being ahead and Claire, Claire have built a spirit this year that hasn't been seen over the last few years in them and I think they're just never dead they're never re- never never so I think a draw an extra time on, on Saturday evening and um, possibly like the footballists it could go to penalties um, with with with, with uh, Kenny winning on penalties that's where I'm going to go with that one and then and then uh, the Galway Galway Limerick game. I think Galway will absolutely give a monumental effort. Again, they're building spirit while while they're maybe slow out of the blocks. They're building spirit as the year goes on. But I just think Limerick will have will have too much for them. And again, it, a lot depends. I know Peter Casey's back training. Keen Lynch is probably coming back into the fold. Uh, Limerick's, Limerick's panel will just win out win out in that second game on Sunday oh, Another exciting weekend coming up at Crow Park uh, Dara, thanks a million for joining us Well that's it for this week's edition We'll be back with the throw-in with Philly McMahon later this week You can listen, rate and follow on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from Bye for now This is an Irish independent podcast